Well, John was mentioning the Fourth of July thing. I think we have some uh, some handouts with yeah, directions and stuff like that. So make sure you check that out. Also, um, that um, concert uh, on the water in uh, Polsbo. I think that's going to be this coming Saturday. I think Willis emailed me, and uh, so it's uh, June uh, June eighteenth. And so it'll be at 6 p.m. just on the waterfront and stuff like that. Great chance to, to witness and, and things of that sort. So if you're free for that, you might want might to look into that. And uh, we're going to be back in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be right back there in verses 15 through 18. And then we'll see if we move on from there. So as you turn into Colossians chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in a, in a word of prayer. <coughs> Father, in Jesus' precious name, we're so grateful, Lord, that you sent your Son to be the ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. You punished him in our place. And then you raised him from the dead to conquer death for us. And so we are grateful. May we all trust in Jesus alone for salvation and put no confidence in the flesh, not just for salvation, but for daily living, that we would trust in the Lord Jesus who through the power of the Holy Spirit will guide us into righteous living. And um, we are so grateful, Lord, and we long for the day when your son returns. As we study your word today, Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived by the lies. I mean, it, it just seems like 95% of the news we get is fake news now. And it's all about the lie. And um, <clears throat> so may we behold the truth. Your son, our God and Savior, and trust in him and be faithful to him. So I pray, Lord, as we study this passage today, that uh, you would anoint me. You would cancel the man. You would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so I would not lead anyone astray. Uh, everyone that's here today, Lord, is here not because they wanted to hear the, the faulty wisdom of man, which gets it right sometimes and wrong other times. They want to hear your truth, which is always true. And, um, and so I pray you would anoint me to proclaim your truth, and that you'd open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive truth from your word and empower us by your spirit and for your glory to obey these truths from the heart to apply these truths from the heart. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, when you get a chance, read Matthew chapter 24, at least verses uh, 1 through 31. Jesus warns us about the signs of the end times. And uh, he tells us that there's going to be false Christs, false messiahs, and false prophets. And they're going to be performing signs and wonders, okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, talks about the lawless one, the man of sin, the Antichrist. And he's going to be performing uh, miracles and uh, leading people astray. In fact, if you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we don't have time to read the whole passage, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the whole passage deals about the falling away, the great apostasy, the falling away of the faith, 
and the Antichrist who will be defeated by the Lord Jesus at his return. And, uh, and it says there, verses 9 through 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, the coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. He will perform demonically empowered miracles. And with all unrighteous deception, he's going to deceive many, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, non-believers, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, what, what reason? Well, because they rejected the truth, they rejected God's truth. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Because they rejected God's truth, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so basically, in the last days, those who do not accept God's truth, those who do not trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation, are going to be susceptible to a great lie. Now we know the original lie in the garden was when Satan said, well, God said you're going to die if you eat from the forbidden fruit, but you're not going to die. If you eat from the forbidden fruit, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. So the lie from the beginning, even a lie that not only Satan told mankind, but Satan fell for that lie himself, that we could somehow replace God and stand in the place of God and be equal to or above God. And that lie that man is God, I'm telling you, this is not just something, I mean, it used to be you'd go to Looney Tune cults like Scientology or Mormonism to hear this, this kind of teaching. No, you go to the World Economic Forum and their advisors and they're talking about, you know, like, uh, I think his name is Herrera, Harari, that uh, this little guy out of Israel that's going around telling everybody that it's a myth, superstition. The Bible is, in fact, he refers to the Bible as fake news. I don't want to be, I don't want to be near that little dude on the judgment day. This little dude's going to talk about social distancing. Um, uh, but he calls the Bible fake news. And he, so he says it's a fairy tale that God created man but what he believes in is that man, through human wisdom and human technology, man is going to create God. And man is going to be God. And so there's a big experiment going on. Believe me, the experiment has started. We're experimenting on humans right now. Um, uh, and those globalists who want, they're, they're in the transhumanism movement, they want to transcend humanity, they want to bring about the next stage in the spiritual evolution of mankind. Some of them are shooting for a life expectancy of 120 years, some 500 years. They want to live long enough to figure out how to live, um, to, to, to achieve immortality. Okay, But these guys are the same guys 
that they're trying to figure out how they can live forever. They don't believe in God. They want to live forever on planet Earth without turning to the Lord Jesus. Uh, yet these are the same guys who think that the rest of us are a bunch of useless eaters. And we're consuming natural resources. So they're also big in population control. And um, uh, they want to greatly limit the amount of humans on the planet Earth. Some of them think we only need half a billion people. Elon Musk, who goes to meetings with these guys, uh, Elon Musk is not a Christian, uh, but he thinks they're crazy. Elon Musk thinks that we need more people on the planet, not less people, and it concerns him. Uh, but he said, he said on the Joe Rogan show, which I don't recommend you watch if, you, if you're offended by foul language, um, but Joe Rogan does a good interview, and he was interviewing him a few years ago, and he said now because of AI, artificial intelligence, the globalists, the depopulation experts, the transhumanists, they don't need human beings anymore. Because they wanted a few, like half a billion worker bees, get rid of the other seven billion people, and then just keep enough to, because they, they, they think they own the world. So they want um, us to maintain their air, airports and stuff so they could safely land their private jets. You know, talk about a carbon footprint. And, um, and uh, but now Elon Musk is saying with artificial intelligence, we don't need worker bees. They don't need worker bees. And, um, and so then Joe Rogan says, so they, they want to just wipe out everybody? And he said, well, there's got to be enough humans so they don't inbreed too much. Okay, this, this is the kind of disgusting world. But these are the movers and shakers. Okay, it sounds like a sci-fi novel of 100 years ago, but these are the movers and shakers in the world today. In the meantime, our government, and I was just, just told by Brenda that Franklin Graham even mentioned this. And uh, he just, all he wants to do is just preach the gospel. But if there's something that's contradicting the gospel that he feels it's important enough for him to refute, he'll refute it. Very brave guy, Franklin Graham. Um, but he was pointing out that our government is revealing things about outer space, something coming from outer space, and the deception that's involved there. And so uh, as we look into Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18, picking up where we left off last week, and we didn't get too far into the text, um, there is going to be a great delusion, a great deception in the last days. That right before the return of Christ, if, you, if you're not settled on the Jesus issue, if you weren't settled on it when you came into this building, you better wake up and smell the coffee real quick. Okay? You got to decide now. That decide now, not when this stuff is coming down. Because when they're going to be putting guns to people's heads and torturing us and trying to get us to deny Christ, at the same time as that is going on, there's going to be supernatural works performed by the Antichrist, the false prophet, and many false Christs and false prophets. If you are not convinced of the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to fall for lies. And what's happening with this UFO phenomenon? I was so glad when Dr. Tom Hoyle spoke on that here. You, back in 2007, the, I, I tried for like a decade or so to, to speak at apologetics conferences on the UFO movement. 
and they wouldn't let me. They thought it was too weird. So finally, in 2007, somebody let me speak on the issue, and I gave the biblical perspective of the UFO movement. So you can go on YouTube and look that up if you need to. And, um, but I'm telling you, there is a deception. You know, God has protected America. He built a hedge of protection around us because of the faith of our forefathers. We don't share that faith. We're going down. We're falling away from the faith. And so the hedges of protection that have protected us here in America, those, those hedges, those walls are coming down. Now, we hear about the demonic realm, but we used to hear about it when Baptist missionaries would go to a tribal village and would cast seven demons out of the witch doctor, the shaman, and then the whole tribe would come to Christ. Why is that stuff going on there? Well, because of all the occultism and the demonic worship and all. But it's like Satan and his demons said, hands off America. Well, because God's protected them. Now the protection is down. And then it's still like, well, hands off, because they bought into this atheist, secular humanist lie. We don't want to scare them back into, into God's arms. But now I'm telling you, it's reaching the point where Satan is looking at his demons, high-ranking fallen angels, unclean spirits, and he's giving them a thumbs up and he's saying, now go after them now. Go they've, they've completely abandoned. As a culture, they've abandoned Jesus. Go after them. And all of a sudden, the UFO sightings are on the rise. And as Dr. Tom Hoyle said, as Gary Bates says in his book, these physical craft in the sky, they, they just appear. And they violate the laws of physics. They make perfect 90-degree turns traveling over 1,000 miles per hour. That's not natural. That's supernatural. They just appear and they disappear. And when they abduct human beings, okay, they channel messages through them uh, telling them that Jesus, they demote Jesus to just one of the many space brothers. Nothing special. And the space brothers created us. We're messing this planet up. And we have to trust in and worship the space brothers if we want the planet Earth to be saved. Okay? And our government is acknowledging there is something real, the real that's happening. It goes way beyond our technology. We don't think any of our enemies have this technology, yet it is real. Okay? And... Uh, Keep in mind, when our government's looking into this stuff, it's not open to the idea that these entities are coming from another dimension. And so all I'm saying, you might walk out of here saying, man, that, that Phil Fernandez is a nut. Well, lots of people called me a nut in the 80s and the 90s. But by the way, my dad was, as a traditional Roman Catholic guy, in the 1960s, I'd, I'd see him reading books about UFOs, um... ESP and demon possession type things and also uh, meditation like we call a contemplative prayer. So he was actually investigating in the 1960s things that now the church in America is entertaining. Okay? And, um, and so um, we have got to deal with issues like this. The, uh, among ufologists, both Christian and non-Christian alike, those who study UFOs, the most common view 
is that these entities are not from other planets. They're interdimensional or extra-dimensional. In other words, they come from another dimension and they just appear in our world and then they go back and leave our three-dimensional or four-dimensional world if you can add the uh, time dimension to the three spatial dimensions. And, um, um, well, I think that dimension is the spiritual realm. Okay? And remember when Paul says when God proves his existence to us, Romans 1, 18 to 22, God proves, the invisible God proves his existence to us through that which has been created. That's why I use traditional arguments from nature to argue for God as the cause and the sustainer of the universe. Okay? Um, but God has made his existence and his power known to us through the work of his hands. We don't see the invisible creator, but we see the visible work of his hands. Therefore, we know that he exists. So what does mankind do? We suppress that truth. And then we speculate. We profess to be wise, but we make fools of, out of ourselves. And then Paul says we become atheists? No. Paul says we bow down before statues of four-legged creatures. In, in other words, it's either Christianity or paganism. And all atheism is, at best, it's a halfway house between Christianity and paganism. Um, at worst, it's actually just, and more likely, it's, it's a more mild form, a more academically respected form of paganism. But you'll find them talking about evolution and capitalizing the E of evolution, capitalizing the C of the cosmos of, of the universe. And um, so I'm telling you, man, it, it's just like choice is either you either submit to God, your culture either submits to God or you get insanity. You don't believe me? Watch the news. Okay. I mean, it's not just insane that we burn our own cities down. That's insane enough. But then when we got the mainstream media, you see fire and rocks being thrown and everything, and the mainstream media reporters saying, this is mostly a peaceful protest. Okay? So it's either God or insanity. It's either you submit to God or you bring back the ancient pagan gods. And I'm telling you, the ancient pagan gods, uh, you read the Bible closely, there are high-ranking fallen angels, powerful entities. I believe, I believe Allah is real. I don't believe he's God, but I believe he's a high-ranking, bloodthirsty, fallen angel um, that decided to deceive one-fourth of, of mankind or one-fifth of mankind. And so, um, so whatever the case, we, you know, we have been lulled to sleep because we don't want to be embarrassed by our atheist neighbors, but the world is a supernatural world. Okay? The supernatural is not just, they're not just things that happened in the past, they're things that happen now. Now, why did I give this big introduction? I gave this big introduction because what we are facing today 
is the same thing the Colossians were facing. They were being tempted to embrace. Even though they had faith, hope, and love, there were false teachers in their midst trying to get them to do crazy stuff. Now, what part of this Gnostic heresy that they were being led astray uh, by in, um, in chapter 2, um, Paul talks about the fact that many of them were actually the false believers were encouraging the worship of angels. They can't seem to find the passage there. If somebody finds it, just call it out to me. This is going a little bit ahead. But they were actually worshiping angels. The Greek word for angel is angelos. And yeah, it's in verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Paul could be right, he could be right here, right now. He'd be telling us the same thing. Trinity Bible Fellowship, don't let anybody cheat you of your reward. You stay true to Jesus. That's why we have hope. Jesus is our hope. Don't let anybody cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. There's going to be people saying, I've had experiences and this and that, and they're going to be promoting the worship of angels. The Greek word angelos just means messenger. And most of the time, the messengers in the Bible are entities from another realm. They're the angels that God created. Some of them are fallen. Sometimes God sends good angels to give us a message from him. But this is why John tells us in 1 John 4, 1, test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. And how do you test them? You find out their view of Jesus. John mentions that in the next few verses. Okay? And, um, and so there's an awful lot of stuff going on in the world right now, and we just act like, ah, oh, that's just, uh, you're just imagining that and this and that. Let me say, maybe they are. But look into it. Don't say that that never happens. Okay? And with this UFO phenomenon, I think we're facing now the, the so-called space brothers. They're coming from another dimension. They're fallen angels. They're demons set out to deceive mankind. And, um, and it's going to get greater and greater, the deception, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. So how do we combat that? How do we, through the power of God, ensure that we are not vulnerable to the lie that man shall be as God? That we don't fall for the lies of Satan? I mean, it's, I'm telling you, if you're not totally sold out for Jesus and you start seeing supernatural works being performed by religious and political leaders, it is going to be very, very hard. Okay? It's going to be extremely hard to resist the temptation to follow that if we don't acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And anything that contradicts that statement, Jesus is Lord, I don't care how spectacular the miracles are. Okay? Uh, I'm not impressed. I'm impressed by the King of Kings. I'm impressed by the Lord of Lords. 
I'm impressed by God the Son who became a man to die on the cross for my sins and to rise from the dead to conquer death for me. So keep in mind, again, this theme, I'm, I'm going to try to drill it into your heads because Paul's trying to, tried to drill it into the heads of the Colossians and to the church for the past 2,000 years. Jesus is not a local deity. Okay? With the nation of Israel, the God of Israel is not only the God of Israel, but he's the God who created all, the entire world and all the nations. But we got to remind ourselves, as Paul had to remind the Colossians, he's just not the God of planet Earth. This isn't like a Mormon false deity. You become the God of your own planet. Jesus is the God of the entire universe. Okay? And uh, so don't let anybody uh, deceive you on this. So look at Colossians 1, 15 to 18. Paul says about Jesus, the one who redeemed us, he said in verse 14, through his blood and gave us the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. He's God, the Son, become a man. Okay? By the way, that's the only image the scriptures teach that you're not only allowed to, but encouraged to worship. That Jesus, he is one person, God, the second person of the Trinity, but he added a human nature and became a man without subtracting from his divine nature. So he's fully God and fully man. If Jesus were physically standing here right now, he's not. He's at the Father's right hand. Spiritually, in his divine nature, he's, he's omnipresent. He's here. But if Jesus physically came here, you're not only allowed to, you're commanded to bow before your God and Savior and worship him. But Peter, when Cornelius bowed before him, he said, get up. When uh, angels, powerful angels, glorious angels appeared to the Apostle John, he tried to bow before him. They said, get up. We're servants of the Lord Jesus. Okay? Jesus is not a local deity. So he is the image of the invisible God. He is God the Son become a man. The firstborn over all creation. Um, we talked about the firstborn, the rights of the firstborn can be forfeited. You know, Adam was the first human. He obviously forfeited his. And you see right down the line, Esau forfeiting his rights of the firstborn. And Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, and then it goes to Judah. Because Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. See, so the right of the firstborn passed to the fourth son on that occasion. Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was older, but the right of the firstborn went to him. So the right of the firstborn doesn't have to be the literally the first one born. It's just who gets the right to rule over his brethren. And it turns out that Jesus is not just the firstborn over all human beings. He's the firstborn over all creation. And then Asu would say, oh, what about these angelic beings? They're like steps between earth and heaven. And there are all these intermediaries and all this. It's like, no, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Okay? It doesn't get any better than Jesus. And uh, he rules over them as well. Just to give you a little, just a little indication how the firstborn is, is used in the scriptures. Look at Psalm 89. And verse 27, 
Psalm 89 and verse 27. And the Jews interpreted this, by the way, messianically. The Jews thought, yeah, this is talking about the Messiah. And God says this, um, Also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Just like Jacob wanted to make Joseph his 11th son, but the first one born to Rachel, the wife that he really loved, he tried to make him the firstborn by dressing him like royalty and then sending him out to spy on his, uh, his, his smelly brothers who were shepherding the flocks and stuff. Well, he was trying to make him the firstborn. But I got news for you. Um, as far as God's concerned, Reuben disqualified. We talked about it last week. Simeon Levi disqualified. Judah not disqualified. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He got the right of the firstborn there. And that passed on. And, uh, and so the firstborn, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Okay? Now what Paul's saying is, he's, God is guiding Paul to say, yeah, he's not only the highest of the kings of the earth, he is the firstborn with the right to rule over all creation. So verse 15, we talked about that last week. Jesus is not a local deity. He is, he is over the demons, the angels, both fallen and unfallen. Uh, he, he reigns over all human beings, reigns over all creation. Jesus is not a, a local deity. He reigns over even the so-called space brothers. Anybody wants to demote Jesus, you pray for them. Try to lead them to Christ, okay? And... Um, I talked to numerous young people that were thinking of demoting Jesus because of this, these recent revelations from the government. And um, Jesus is not a local deity. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's God the Son become a man, God incarnate. He's the su supreme ruler and the preeminent one. Now why is that the case? Paul tells us in verse 16. For by him... By Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So that's, that's not just humans in the physical realm. Jesus even created the spiritual realm. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, they're different rankings of angels. All things were created through him and for him. Okay? And so Jesus is God incarnate, the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, the supreme ruler, the preeminent one. Why? Because he created all things. Because he is the creator. So don't let the Jehovah's Witnesses fool you into Jesus was the first one born and that God created Jesus first, the first creation of God. Jesus isn't eternal and he's a lesser God that created everything else. No, everything that was created, Jesus created. So you got two categories, creator and creation. Jesus belongs in the creator category, okay? And yet, by adding a human nature, he became one of us and joined us in our creation. God gave man dominion over the earth. Satan stole it from him in the garden. 
God's going to use a man to win back planet Earth. Okay? But that man's name is Jesus, and he also happens to be God. The image of the invisible God, God the Son become a man, the firstborn over all creation. So Jesus created all things. Uh, I, I don't care what the Space Brothers are telling people. Um, I don't care what John Victor Werewell, uh, the author, the, the founder of The Way International, his best-selling book was called, titled, Jesus is Not God. Uh, you're not off to a good start, dude. Um, um, you know, Reverend Sung Young Moon, the Unification Church, Jesus, he thinks that Jesus failed to physically redeem mankind. He only spiritually saved him. And Reverend Moon is going to show up to, spirit, to uh, physically save mankind. And so Moon calls himself the Lord of the Second Advent. No. No. Don't be... You want to demote Jesus? You're going down. You're going down. And I love that we... I love that Jesus loves us. I love that Jesus was so kind and so patient with the apostles and uh, so patient with the Samaritan woman and with Nicodemus, okay? Now, if you're going to butt heads against him, yeah, he's going to throw down, verbally throw down. I mean, he can overturn the, the, the money changers' tables and the animal salesmen. He can call the Pharisees uh, and scribes hypocrites and whitewashed tombs and things of that sort. But I'm so glad that we know that Jesus loves us. Here we are, little tiny specks on a little tiny speck called the planet Earth in this little tiny speck called our solar system found in a little tiny speck called our Milky Way galaxy. Just little tiny dots. And Jesus loves us. Okay? But don't, the temptation in the American church is to turn Jesus into your drinking buddy. He's my bro. Okay? Let me tell you, Jesus is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? He is still the creator. He is still the God who brought fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He is still the God who opened up the Red Sea to deliver his people and then closed the waters to wipe out the world's most powerful military, the Egyptian army, at that time. Okay? Jesus is still the one who rose from the dead to conquer man's greatest enemy, death, for us. So, Jesus loves you, you need to love him, but don't get so comfortable with Jesus. We, we still have to have that element of Peter, and we've lost it in the American church, where when Jesus proves who he is to Peter, Peter says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. If you're comfortable in the presence of God, you got issues. I question, I don't know what presence you're in, but it's not the presence of God. And... Um, and, you know, what, Klaus Schwab thinks he's a tough guy. Bill Gates thinks he's a tough guy. Joe Biden thinks he's a tough guy. 
Kamala Harris thinks she's a tough lady, I guess. I don't know. You lock horns with Jesus, you lose. Okay? You got to worship some. You're either going to worship creation or you're going to worship the creator. Um, you're going to bow. You either bow before Satan and his plan or you bow before the Lord Jesus. Okay? And um, the day's going to come when we're all going to bow. You can freely bow now, trust in him for salvation, or you can wait till he returns and then be forced to bow just by his sheer power. And then you face the, the judgment. But Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, the supreme ruler over all creation, because he created all things. Anything in heaven, on earth, the visible and the invisible realm, he created the angels, the thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. Everything was created through him. Look at that there in, in verse 16. All things, uh, you see, he, all, the, the created, all the created stuff is there in the all things. If Jesus were a created being, he would be in the all things category. He's not. He's the one who created all things. All, the only, the only thing that exists is not even a thing, is a weird word, it implies too much. The only thing that existed before anything was created, and I'm using temporal, time bound language there, but technically God exists in eternity outside of time. But the only thing that existed before anything was created was the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it says, all things were created through him, through Jesus. And look at the three English words after that. And for him. I mean, this is, uh, you, you want to demote Jesus? Not only did he create everything that was created, but it was created for who? For him. And you, and, and by the way, this space brother thing, you, you know, I, you know, some of you probably feel like laughing, saying that's really stupid stuff, and it's that blah 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 and all. And we've been told, like, with the with the vaccines and COVID, this this is, this is science and blah 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 and all this other stuff. And um, we got to stop blindly listening. Investigate. If you investigate the issues you chose to get the vaccination, that's that's fine. If you investigated the situation you chose not to get vaccinated, that's fine. But don't just blindly listen to the government. This is what I call the deification of the state. We just blindly follow the government. And we, the government, believe me, the government wants to get us all to depend on them. Okay? Whether it's food lines or whatever. They're destroying, they're destroying the economy. They're creating inflation. They're inflating the currency. Um, this food supply is down. The government wants us to depend on them. You know why? Absolute dependence. There's another word for it. It's called worship. And so the state uh, wants to be, be treated uh, like it's God. We cannot fall for their lies. We've got to, to research the issues. Don't blindly trust in them. But we see that Jesus, he created all things... And he created them for himself. Okay? 
So everything was created through him and for him. Do not deify the state. Okay? You trust in Jesus. When a state tells you something, you do your research. You do your study. Okay? Things are going... The government doesn't love you. I hate to break your heart, but government doesn't love you. But basically, you know, you might come in here and say, why is he talking all this weird stuff? I'm telling you, what I am telling you, all this weird stuff, this is quickly becoming the new science. What evolutionists won't tell you is that the intelligent design movement won. Even though they're not allowed to publish papers, okay, they say, look, there's so much design and order in the universe, it had to be intelligently designed. Okay? They lost that battle. The evolutionists lost. How do I know? Did they admit it? No, they don't admit it. But now they, they now know that it's impossible for life to have evolved from non-living material without intelligent intervention on the planet Earth. So now they're saying aliens did it. Okay? In 1987, before I planted the church, a year before I planted the church, I gave a talk down in Longview for Dr. Rick Walston. And, um, and uh, I lectured, the, I titled the lecture, uh, Secular America uh, Goes New Age. Okay? And what we're seeing is, C.S. Lewis predicted this in the 1940s. Um, what we call science, education, okay, common sense, whatever name it goes by, we're now moving in the direction. If you don't want God, you got to go elsewhere in the universe than planet Earth to find out, to try to pretend, you know, speculate, and try to figure out how we got here. And so we're going to see more, uh, our scientists are going to become shamans and witch doctors and sorcerers um, if they don't want to give up on evolution. There is so much evidence for God. If you don't want to give up on atheistic evolution, the alternative is going to be saying, well, then in beings on other planets must have somehow accidentally or on purpose seeded this, this planet with life. By the way, and that's even scientifically impossible. Uh, even if you assumed evolution, uh, you don't have enough time for either accidentally or on purpose uh, living things to come and survive all the way till they get to planet Earth and, um, and then start evolving into other things, which is another uh, crazy assumption. And so basically what I'm saying is we're going to start hearing this Space Brother wild speculation coming from even the uh, so-called experts, scientific experts. And just remember, I used to, when I used to debate on college campuses, uh, my thesis used to be evolution needs God, but God doesn't need evolution. If evolution occurred, you will still need a miracle-working God to bring something from nothing, life from non-life, multi-celled animals from single-celled animals, animals with backbones from animals without backbones, and we're right down the line. The, you know, the common ancestry of, of things like uh, fish, reptiles, birds, mammals. There's absolutely no evidence, no scientific evidence for any of those. Those are assumed, the unproven assumptions of evolution. And for every one of those jumps, you need a miracle-working God to bring it about. 
Now, once you acknowledge, okay, a miracle-working God exists, well, then he didn't need to use evolution. He could have created the universe in six literal days if he felt like it. And that's what I think he tells us in his word. I got a lot of Christian buddies that are old earth creationists, more power to them, but um, uh, I think he actually did in six literal days. So evolution needs God, but God doesn't need evolution. Now I've had to update my thesis. Aliens need God, but God doesn't need aliens. So if you got, if you got aliens on other planets, which I don't think we have, but if you've got aliens and other planets, then God had to create them. They need God to create them. But um, once you acknowledge, okay, well, then God exists, well, then he doesn't need aliens. If he wanted to create a vast universe that looks like it looks infinite to us, just to show us how big he is and how small we are, more power to him. Okay? And uh, so don't fall prey to these lies, but keep in mind, what I'm telling you, in the 1970s, these were the wackos, the flakes that were saying it. Now we're starting to have, even Richard Dawkins in the Expelled movie, Ben Stein, brilliant guy, asked him, well, if, if evolution's been proven, how did life start? He said, I don't know, maybe on the back of a, a crystals. And he's like, what? And he said, well, I don't know. And then Richard Dawkins said, I don't know, maybe aliens did it. Okay? Uh, Watson and Crick got the DNA for cracking the genetic code. Uh, they believe aliens did it. It's called panspermia. Okay? Um, and it's becoming more and more widespread among some of the world's leading scientists. So it's kind of like when evolution is disproven, you have a choice to either go back to God or... Um, to take your scientific evolutionary theory and start blending it with paganism and invoke the Space Brothers. And that's what we're seeing right now. And um, so the only way to save evolution right now is to basically search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And, um, and so uh, everything was created through him and for him. And then verse 17... And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is before all things. That could mean, you know, he existed before anything else, and then he created all things, the created universe. So he exists before it in time. But more likely, the context that Paul's using it is probably talking about his supremacy, his preeminence. He is before all things. He comes before all all things. He's the most important one because he's the creator and all these other things are part of the creation. Okay? And, um, and so he is before all things and in him all things consist. Or in him all things hold together. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about this. He sustains the universe in existence. You might say, well, gravity keeps a lot of things together. Well, where did gravity come from? Okay? And, um, you know, I'm telling you, human, some existentialists, some atheists actually realize this and admit it. Human existence is like, we're like thrust into existence. It's like if you stepped off a cliff and you didn't fall. You're on the Grand Canyon, you stepped off the edge, and you're not falling. And you're wondering, gee, 
this is weird. How come I'm not falling? Okay? Well, that weird hypothetical situation is not even, it's nowhere near as weird as the fact that, wait a minute, I'm existing? How am I existing? How did I come into existence? How did the physical universe come into existence? And the spiritual realm, how did that come into existence? And how come I'm hanging on? How come I'm continuing to exist? What is sustaining me in my existence? Paul answers that. It's Jesus. It's like, Jesus is my Savior. And because he's my Savior, he's my Lord. And we find out in the scriptures, and he is, our, he is my creator. And he's my sustainer. Okay, Josh likes to box. We do a little bit of boxing. I don't know if a boxing expert probably wouldn't call what we do boxing. But, but um, wouldn't it be nice if, um, well, let's say it was back in the 1980s and stuff. Well, Tyson Fury is six foot nine heavyweight champion of the world right now. Wouldn't it be nice if we had the ability to give you the heavyweight championship belt? And he didn't earn it. Tyson Fury's a big dude and he can box, six foot nine. And he said, here, we're just going to give this to you. Now you got to keep it. You got to fight tomorrow night against Tyson Fury. <laughs> okay, uh, well, it's infinitely worse than that. Here we are, we exist. What sustains us in existence? God not only gave us our beginning, he has to will us to continue to exist every single second or we would cease to exist. We're totally dependent on God. Government doesn't like that. Our politicians want us to be totally dependent on them. But we are totally dependent upon God. He is the preeminent one in him all things consist. He not only created us, um, but uh, he sustains the universe in its existence. Okay? And, um, and then we find out, and we'll close with this verse, and then we'll receive the Lord's Supper and celebrate that Jesus is our Savior and that he is our Lord and that he's our Creator and that he's our Sustainer and we'll celebrate that he is the firstborn over all creation. I don't care what Billy Gates says. Okay? And uh, um, verse 18, so he's our creator. Why is he the firstborn over all creation? Because he created all of creation and he created it for him. Then verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, the ecclesia, the called out assembly all true believers. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And so Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. That's why I did not like when our government uh, shut down the churches. Because guess what? U.S. government, guess what? Global government, if you want. You're not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Okay? And, uh, and so the church is the body of Christ. All true believers, Jesus is our head. He is the head of the church. And he's the beginning 
of the church. Now the word arche in Greek, uh, it, it can mean as the beginning of the church, he's the founder of the church. He's the one who got the church started. Uh, but more than likely it adds the idea that he's the first in importance. That firstborn aspect. Um, now it says that he's the firstborn from the dead. Okay? Um, the prototokos. The firstborn from the dead. Okay? Now, was Jesus the first one who rose from the dead in the Bible? Not really. There were lots of people who were raised from the dead. But they were people with mortal bodies, bodies capable of dying, that had to die again. I'm sure there was a few of Lazarus' relatives that were like, oh no. <laughs> Jesus just rose Lazarus from the dead. Now we got to pay for his second funeral. Okay? <laughs> Jesus is the first one to in a full-blown resurrection way. So it's kind of like there's a sense where all the other resurrections were like resuscitations. Mortal bodies that died and then came back to mortal life. Okay? But with the resurrection body, uh, Jesus' moral body, it was sown, it was buried, 1 Corinthians 15, but then it is raised, the same body is raised, but it is sown in dishonor, raised in honor. Okay? It is sown uh, as a, a natural body, a soulish body, um, a soma sukikon, but it is raised uh, uh, a soma pneumaticos, a spiritual body, a glorified body. Okay? So Jesus, he's not going through walls. He's going from one dimension to another. He's going from the Father's right hand and appearing in the upper room with the apostles. Okay? So Jesus, in that sense, is the first one born. He rules over uh, all, but he is the first one to fully conquer death by rising from the dead to never die again. But he's the firstborn. He's kind of like the down payment guaranteeing your resurrection Amen. to immortality and your resurrection to immortality and all who trust in him. So, so let Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and all their buddies try to figure out through human wisdom, I would say demonic wisdom, to try to figure out how to live forever. We got it as a free gift through King Jesus. Okay? And uh, what they're trying to get in their own wisdom and their own strength, it's, they're just opposing God and his plan. You've got to come to Jesus on, ben, on bended knee. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, the first one with his immortal body, the first one to conquer the grave with his resurrection body, his eternal, immortal, glorified body. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the down payment that everyone who trusts in him for salvation will be raised to immortality. And then because of this, it says that in all things he may have the preeminence. He has the highest honor, the highest rank, uh, protuon in the Greek, he has preeminence in all things. He is first in rank because he is God, because he is creator, because he is sustainer, and because he is redeemer. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm feeling like celebrating communion right now. Okay? 
because uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be taking part in some kind of uh, some kind of um, traditional meal celebrating Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates. Okay, I don't want the pretenders. I don't want the guys who want to make themselves God and become God. God of the Bible says, before me there was no God formed, nor will there be one after me. There is a God, you're not him. And that's a message we need to tell Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and Joe Biden. You've got to come to Jesus on bended knee, and we get the opportunity to break bread and to drink the fruit of the vine in remembrance of the only one who can give us true immortality true eternal life and he happens to be the creator of the heavens and the earth